verses 12 through 17. If you're following along in the Pew Bible, that's page 1120. Please stand in honor of reading God's word together. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trans trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Thank you. You may be seated. All right, those who are four to six, you can go to your class at this time. The rest of us will stay in Romans 5. John Sparkman thanked you all for uh, supporting his family and uh, Pastor Ty yesterday, and I'd like to thank you as well for honoring the Lord. I've had comments after yesterday from those inside and outside of our church that it was the most worshipful wedding, and that I think is what uh, Pastor Ty and Kaylee would have wanted, and obviously uh, we just want uh, God to be glorified and honored, and your help uh, setting up and cleaning up for the wedding also was an honor to the Lord, and uh, your testimony uh, with those who are unsaved that I know of is strong. So uh, thank you for uh, being a wonderful church, of which I have the, the joy and delight of pastoring. Uh, the Sparkmans would also let you know that the mums outside of the main entrance uh, are yours for the taking, if you'd like one uh, or two. You're welcome to take those after, after the service. I know some of us are tired, uh, and I'll do my best to uh, keep you awake uh, this morning and uh, likely, hopefully, uh, brief. But as we read Romans 5, 12 to 17, there was a lot there. And in reading it, it's like, what? what? What is he saying? Uh, there's a lot here to unpack, and I, I'll do my best to summarize it. Uh, you'll see uh, Romans 5 being uh, the sure results of our sure salvation. We have seen in Romans 5, 1 to 8, the sure results of peace with God and um, hope. So you'll see peace and hope in verses 1 to 8, and then uh, what we saw uh, last week 
in uh, 9 through 11 is reconciliation uh, with God. And then today, the sure results of our sure salvation is the gift of righteousness. And I had a commentary I looked at this week that summarized all of Romans, um, the whole book, in terms of righteousness, okay? And so I'll just show you the outline of the book. If you want these notes, I'm not going to probably let you have time to write all this down. But in Romans 1, 1 to 17, God's righteousness is exalted. And verses 16 and 17 being the theme verses of the book, how is God's righteousness exalted in the gospel? Romans 1, 18 to 3:22, the unrighteousness of all humanity. And then 3.22 to 5.21, of which we're getting near the end of this, and Lord willing, next week, finish up uh, 5 to 5.21, that only God can provide righteousness. Romans 6 to 8, the whole chapter's there, God's righteousness causes growth. Romans uh, 9 through 11, God's righteousness is vindicated. And then Romans 12 Uh, That chapter through chapter 15, verse 13, God's righteousness is revealed in holy living in us. And then the conclusion of the book doesn't really have, uh, to be accurate, doesn't really have uh, righteousness in in a title. So we just wrote a conclusion of a letter and a lot of personal things there that Paul's going to deal with at the end of this book. So this is a review of Romans in light of, and there's other outlines that you may see. But when it comes to righteousness, and I showed you this because of our theme today being the gift of righteousness. The gift of righteousness. Verses 12 to, we just read, 12 to 17. The need for a gift. If you and I could imagine that we are in prison. Now prison today is probably luxury compared to prison in Paul's day. But if you read through the New Testament, Paul will say, remember me in my chains. Remember me as a prisoner of the Lord. See, to be a prisoner in Paul's day was to be reliant on meager rations and to be relying on somebody bringing you gifts, like better food or some medicine, um, comfort. And sometimes Paul was left alone in his prison times, and he was in multiple times he was in prison, and um, to even today, if some of us go to prison for being followers of Jesus, I thought about if I go to prison to be a follower of Jesus, what would I ask for you to, to do for me? Give me a Bible. Like, that's what my number one thing. Give me a Bible. Okay, so if I get put in prison, give me a Bible. Multiple Bibles, that's fine. <laughs> but prisoners need a gift. You may think after Romans 1 through 3, you can't think that you're not that bad. Romans 1 through 3 shows us that we really are all prisoners. And we're prisoners in need of a gift. We need help. We cannot help ourselves. We can't get out of prison to go to the store to get things that we need. We're reliant on people to bring us things. Who needs a gift? Well, prisoners need a gift, and we see ourselves as needy before Christ. 
We sang about all we have is Christ, yet not I, but Christ lives in me, and Christ is our life. Christ is the most wonderful gift that heaven could give. And Christ gave us, he did not leave us without his presence. He sent his spirit, the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, to us to remind us that we belong to our God. And one day, our faith will become sight. We all are needy people. We need a gift. In verses 12 to 14, we'll look at those again. Therefore... Okay, based on the truth that we, the sure results of our salvation, we have peace and hope with, with God, and we have reconciliation with God, and another of those gifts, and you'll see the words in this passage, the connection words of therefore, but you'll also see the words much more. And it sounds like, um, in a way, it sounds like a more complicated Hebrews. So we've been reading through Hebrews, and as you read as you listen to the scripture, and you're like, this is complicated. I don't know what he's saying. And so I'll do my best to explain and apply what he's saying in Romans 5. But as you have studied Hebrews, Hebrews is a more simple version, I think, of a lot of what you'll see here uh, today, that Jesus is better. And we'll, sing, we'll close our service with a verse um, from a song that the behold the, come behold the wondrous mystery. And in that song, you'll, 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 you'll sing, um, see the true and better Adam, okay? That's going to be important, and I chose that song because it has that, that phrase in it. And I think as we read our text again and look through it, you'll say, ah, oh, okay, now I know why. But I wanted you to point that out because I want you to be thinking of that as we go through this passage, and then you're going to sing it in conclusion for our service. So... Therefore, verse 12, just as sin came into the world through one man, we all know that one man. If you talk to someone on the street, you know what? They usually know Adam and Eve. If they know nothing else about the Bible, they have heard of Adam and Eve. And if we talk to people, and we talk as Christians at times uh, among ourselves, how do we talk about Adam and Eve? Uh, that Adam and Eve... We don't, as men, like hard work, like trying to get something to grow, even to get grass to grow in our yard, and to get weeds to stop growing. We don't like that. And Adam gets blamed. And then you ladies who have had gone through childbirth, you get past that experience of childbirth, and often Eve's name comes up in your labor pains or remembering your labor, and you're like, Man, Eve, she's going to hear it whenever I get to heaven, all right? <laughs> what makes life hard? Sin. Sin makes life hard. Sin came into the world through one man. Eve does not, and she, she has gotten blame. But she's not the representative of humanity. Adam was. Adam gets the blame here. And he, not tricked like his wife was, he willingly chose to disobey God. 
Just as sin came into the world through one man, and because of that one man's sin, death through sin. The connection of sin to death is so clear in Scripture. From Romans, from James 1, we all die. And 1 Corinthians 15, that death spread here in verse 12 to all men because all sinned. I've heard someone once say this, you know, if Adam didn't sin, where would we be? Now, proudly we would say, we'd be in a sinless world. Humbly we'd have to say, if Adam didn't sin, I would have. (laughs) You would have. And then your name would be here. Like, because of Oh, no, 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 no. Separate me from me me bringing sin into the world. He was the, the first sinner because he was the first man. If Adam and Eve didn't sin, somebody else of the billions of people that have walked on the face of the earth would have sinned against God. But he gets the blame. But this passage doesn't really focus on Adam. It doesn't even give him his name here in verse 12. It just says the one man. We know who he's talking about. But death is spreading to all men because all have sinned. How did we get to this needy place? We got to this needy place because someone chose to disobey God. Someone chose to sin. And if you and I end up in prison You'd say, how did I get here? If you're talking to other prisoners, probably one of the questions that prisoners talk to each other about, what'd you do to get here? So if we're in prison and you're talking to someone and you're trying to convince them from Romans and other passages of Scripture that they're lost, they need a Savior, and they say, no, you say, well, you sin, right? Well, not really that bad. How many lies have you told? Oh, well, yeah. How many times have you dishonored your parents? Oh, yeah. How many times have you stolen something or taken God's name in vain or coveted, wanted what someone else had? How many times have you looked with someone with lust in your heart? Over and over and over again, multiple times a day we sin. Even if we try not to sin, we still do. We're sinners. How do we get to this needy place? Because we're sinners. Why do we sin? Well, we're related to Adam. You know why my kids sin? Because I'm their dad, and I'm a sinner. I can't blame my wife. I'm, <laughs> my kids get their sin nature from me. I get my sin nature from my dad, who got it from his dad, who got all the way back to Adam. Adam's the one who gave us our sin natures. And that's important for us to realize this connection because he's going to, we're not going to start, just stay in a darker place today because this passage doesn't say that. We're talking about sure results of our sure salvation. But we won't appreciate righteousness like Romans 5 did for us last week until we realize what God has saved us from. We weren't just nice people who needed a little tweaking. We were, as Scripture says, dead in trespasses and sins. We are in this prison in desperate need of someone to bring us a gift. We got to this needy place. We got to prison because 
of Adam's sin, yes. But if you look at verse 12, it doesn't just blame Adam. It says, so death spread to all men because what? All sinned. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We just show that we are related to Adam. We are reminding people of our heritage as we are sinners. You remind me of your father. That's a good thing unless your father is a sinner. And then what reminds us of our father, what reminds people that we are related to our father is we, all, we both sin or we sin the same way. You're like, oh, I don't want to be that, I don't want that connection, but that's the connection here that Romans 5 is helping us to see. Verse 13, for sin indeed was in the world. Now he's going to say, sin was in, in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. So question, was there sin before God had the Israelites around Mount Sinai and he gives Moses the Ten Commandments? Was there sin in the world? Obviously there was. How, do we, how are we really, really sure that there was a lot of sin in the world before the law was given? The flood. There may have been, if you do the math, and the, 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 long, the longevity of people, how long they lived and how many years they could have children, it is likely that the population of the world was the same before the flood as it is right now. You're like, what? You do the math, okay? If you don't know how to do the math, ask Google, ask AI. <laughs> they'll, they'll do the math for you. It, it is likely. We have no idea how many people, I, that's a guess, right? We don't know how, exactly how many people we're on the, on the earth, but with, with less disease and less um, uh, mutating of diseases, uh, people were healthier. They obviously were healthier. They lived a lot longer than we do, a lot, and they had likely uh, many more children than we have, and so the earth was populated, and yet God says, I'm destroying the whole earth, every single living creature except for eight people. Was sin prevalent in the world? Well, Genesis 6 says it was rampant in the world. And God said, humanity won't listen to me at all. I must destroy them. And he does. So clearly verse 13 is helping us to see that sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. So it wasn't like we weren't sinners until God gave Moses the law. And Moses lives about 3,500 years ago, so he lives roughly 2,500 years after Adam and Eve. But for 2,500 years, there definitely was sin in the world. It was sin even though before the law was given. Is lying a sin if you don't know that the ninth commandment is, thou shalt not bear false witness? It absolutely is. Is it wrong to look with someone with lust even if you don't know that lust is a sin? Yeah. Now, so we follow the logic here. It, it shows us that we were in need of a Savior, we were in need of God's righteousness, even before the law, because sin was in the world, and death was in the world. However, he says at the end of verse 13, but sin is not counted. It's hard to account for. It's how to count all or number all of the sins where there is no law. Is it wrong to disobey your parents? Yeah, is it wrong to eat a cookie 
before supper if you're a child. It depends if mom and dad said no eating a cookie before supper. Like, well, I might ruin my supper. Is this wrong? But if mom and dad said clearly, okay, the cookies are here, they're warm. They smell really, really good. Don't touch them before supper. The law was given. After you touch a cookie before supper, eh, eh, counted. How many cookies are gone? How many crumbs are on the face? Okay, you're guilty, right? So we get to this needy place. Even before the law. Humanity was in need of God's gift of righteousness even before the law was given. Verse 13. Now verse 14. Yet death reigned. Death was the dominant ruling thing that everyone feared. Death reigned from Adam to Moses. We said that's a roughly 2,500 years. Even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. Okay, so now we have Adam mentioned by name in verse 14 twice. No ambiguity here as to who the one man is in verse 12. And we know where the law was given. The law he's talking about is the specific law that was given to Moses. At Mount Sinai was written down by the finger of God, given to humanity, and even just those Ten Commandments make us all guilty before God. So even those who were sinning were not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. There are times that we like to see connections of Old and New Testament that the connection is strained at best. There are other times where the connection is obvious, and especially when the Old Testament is, quote, or is mentioned in the New Testament says, this person is a type, he's a picture, he's a prototype of something else. We saw, we're seeing in Hebrews that there's a lot of shadows of the Old Testament in our worship, in the high priests, and, and things that were designed by God. The Holy Spirit is present when the tabernacle is constructed so that mankind doesn't get to choose what he wants the, the tabernacle to look like. The Holy Spirit's making sure it's a, it's a good replica, a good shadow of what is to come. So the Holy Spirit's there, and you can see his, he's mentioned at the end of Exodus as they are designing the, ta the tabernacle and putting it into place. So it's not up to man, not up to Moses, not up to the craftsman to come up with this. This is God's fingerprints are all over it because he is showing the Israelites, showing the world what true worship looks like, what the true holy place of heaven looks like. And so it's not up to man's imagination to create this, no. So when we see here in verse 14, death reigns. From Adam to Moses, death is our enemy. What is the description of this needy place? If you and I were to go to death row today, you know why it's called death row? Because usually the only way you get out of prison is you die, whether by execution or by you live long enough and you die in prison. And you hear of people that co commit horrific crimes. And they have 27 life sentences 
But you look at that and like, how many lives do we have? Well, we only have one. How can they serve 27 life sentences? It's meant to put fear in the heart of everyone else who's considering mass murder. Here we are in a needy place in prison, needing a gift. And we talk to our fellow inmates in this prison, and we're all serving life sentences without parole. Pretty hopeless. This is what Scripture does for us. It shows us reality. A reality that we need to see ourselves in need of a powerful gift. And this need is magnified here with our sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. You think of what Adam's sin was. He took a bite of an apple or a piece of fruit. Okay. And our sin is much more sophisticated than that. Oh, we create sin. Other people design sin, customize sin, encourage us to sin with them. And wow, our sin has gotten very sophisticated. People post sin all over the internet. And if you want to think sinful thoughts, just watch their videos. If you want to lust like they want you to lust, just watch their, uh, their, watch their music videos. And you're thinking, whoa. Humanity has come a long way from the Garden of Eden, where it was simple, just one tree, don't eat the fruit, trust in God to provide for you. You don't need this fruit. And they rebelled against God. But it wasn't very long in the book of Genesis before mankind is killing each other. Seven generations from Adam, there's polygamy and murder from a guy named Lamech. Humanity goes away from God really, really fast. After the flood, you look at that in Genesis and you see, it just took them a couple generations to rebel against God, almost like what God destroyed them for. They're like, no, we're not spreading out. We're going to build this tower. We are going to make a name for ourselves. And we call that place Babel. Humanity has always been in a needy place. And this needy place is described as where death is reigning. And Adam is a type of the one who is to come. And I realize we're tired, and so I'm just going to read verses 15 to 17, one or two comments, and I'll preach the rest next week, and then we'll sing, all right? Verses 15 to 17. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. See, we're all in this prison, and yet the grace of God is better than the trespass. And it's a free gift that we don't deserve. We deserve to be in that prison. We commit sin and make it obvious that we deserve to be in this prison in need of a gift. And yet the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Adam is a type. He's a representative of all sinners. Jesus Christ is the representative of all the righteous. Verse 16, And the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin. 
For the judgment following one's, one trespass brought condemnation. We're all condemned in our cells, our prison cells, and we deserve to be here. And we just keep adding on to our, our deservedness of God's condemnation because we keep sinning in prison. Because of we're sinners, we're in prison. But yet, the free gift, in verse 16, following many trespasses, brought justification. Opposite of condemnation is justification. We're condemned to hell. We all deserve hell for all eternity. That's condemnation. Justification is God made us righteous. Verse 17, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. Remember death reigning back in verse 14? Yes, death reigned through Adam, from Adam's sin. If because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. All right, don't write this down. We'll, we'll see this next week. Because we are right with God, we are only right with God through Christ. We need to pray thankfully this week. Remember, as we saw last week, remember what our position is without Christ. If you're here today without Christ, you have no chance of getting out of prison unless you've been given a gift. You're, there's no path of good works that's going to lead you out of prison. The only path out of prison is through Christ. There's one door to escape prison. And those of us who have escaped prison because we have been given the gift of God's righteousness, we ought to pray thankfully every single day. There is never a day that we should not be thankful for our salvation. Every time we talk to people that are still in prison should cause us to pray thankfully and say, God, I was, I was there. Pray thankfully and then witness compassionately. The people that we are talking to are dead in trespasses and sins. They are still in prison, even though the door is open. And they are banging themselves against the walls, trying to find any way out of prison and rejecting Jesus Christ. And we're saying, the only way you get God's righteousness is Jesus giving it to you. There's one way out of prison, and it's not by good works. And it's not by any other religion. They're all, they, they don't lead to righteousness. They can't guarantee that you have the sure righteousness that comes as a free gift. And you'll see the word free gift over and over and over again in this passage because the focus of this passage is we have a wonderful free gift and we ought to witness compassionately. Does your heart not long with compassion for those still trapped in Adam's sin? Death is reigning. They are scared to death of death. When deliverance in Christ and because of Christ is available. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your truth. Pray that you would give us the grace this week to study this, show us our need. We were all a needy people. We need to be rescued. We need to be forgiven. We need to enjoy this free gift of righteousness. I pray for those here today who and watching those who have not yet turned from their sin, repented, and said, Jesus is Lord. He is master. I'm done trying to earn my salvation. 
It's a free gift. Thank you so much for Christ and the free gift that he offers. Thank you that he is the true and better Adam. Thank you for this gift of righteousness. It cannot be earned. It's given to us. I pray as we witness this week that our, the compassion that we have for the lost would take away the harshness that we may have normally witnessed with and give us a heart of compassion for those still in prison, still knowing that death is coming and they feel helpless and hopeless. Help us to reach out with the hope of eternal life and thank you for using us to point other people to our wonderful Savior. In his name we pray, amen.